Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We are about to get into our Bible study, and before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Ah, we, we, we got a few of you on the last one. Mm. We've also got some text messages we're going to look at as well. For sure. Okay. It's a tricky uh, question that last one. I it was because it. it's multiple choice. It, you know, trips some people up. Yeah. People usually think multiple choice is easier, but I think it potentially would have been difficult. All right. <laughs> uh, the next question we have here. What is Esther's Hebrew name? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, the incredible leather edition by E.G. White. Uh, Awesome thoughts from, well, awesome thoughts on the thoughts from the Mount of Blessings that uh, essentially Jesus was sharing and his amazing sermon there. So if you would like this book and you would like to go into the draw, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And again, the the question was, sorry, what was Esther's Hebrew name? All right, let's head over to some text messages and see what you guys have had to say about the show this morning, about the topics that we've talked about. Uh, first of all, going back to AYC. Yes. Well done, Lawson. 41 people interested in studying the Bible. The Lord blessed your efforts and those with you. Imagine if you were to meet them again in heaven. Mm. What will you do and say? Praise God. Yeah, oh, so incredible. Like, Bring it up and like, oh, you were the guy I met down at the beach. <laughs> Yeah. They're in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. We were hanging out on the sand and talking about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's so incredible. Like, I got to say as well, like, I was also I was also the stage manager at AYC, so I was running around giving people microphones and stuff. And I tell you what, like, after that weekend, I am so tired. <laughs> like, I, was, I was arriving to the conference at 6, getting home at 10. But it was just like, at the same time, it was like every single day was such blessings. Like, I just told you guys one story from one activity. But every single day, the spirit was moving. People were being convicted of their need that, hey, I can be used by Christ to get out in my community and reach people. So I think, yeah, you know, like the outreach itself, praise the Lord for that. But I feel like the lives that were impacted by this conference and now what people will go and do in their own home churches, in their own hometowns, is going to be really incredible. I was pretty sad. Yeah, and Lyle didn't come. And I was so sad because Lyle was going to teach a class on relationships. And, and I was going to I was going to explain to Lawson how to get a girlfriend. Yeah, that's right. Class. That's no. And I was going no, to sit in the crowd and heckle him like really hard. <laughs> but then he didn't show up and I was I was bummed. I was wishing I had covid. Ah, oh, he didn't even. Because whatever I had was worse than COVID. <laughs> it was short, but it was miserable. Yeah, true. Anyway, this is what it is. Uh, this is what this is the price that we pay for two years of quarantine. Now we're copying everything double strength. Mm. All right. So Roe versus Wade. I actually wonder how much it will change the number of abortions since the governors of each state decide if they will accept it in their state. Interesting to see how it will affect the rest of the world. The scientists behind it knew exactly what they were doing as it was always a part of the of depopulation and eugenics plans and sacrificial offerings to their god Satan. That's Oof. Yep. Uh, not holding back in this text message right here I can see. Um I'm talking about the science and not the women who had an abortion for various reasons. Uh, that's a really good clarification. I like that. Mm. I totally agree, agree with you that it will have a ripple effect on many other laws such as the trans movement and others as time passes. Not much time left, but we know that the final movements will be rapid ones. Mm. Yes, it's 
I mean, in many ways, I think this was inevitable. I didn't expect it to see it happen so soon. But as science progresses and as we more understand more about the human body, these kind of things are inevitable. And, yeah, science has won out over ideology in this case. Mm. Okay, alcohol and its problems. Love the connection between the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Obvious connection, but we don't normally connect them in a normal conversation with alcohol. True, I've never ever made that connection. Yeah, wow. Wow, seven cancers from alcohol. Never heard that before. Shows you the power of advertising and marketing. Talking about the big lie is like fake news. We've been continually... We've been fed continually. Can we believe anything or anyone nowadays? No. But you can believe the Bible. It has never lied to us as God cannot lie. Yeah. And some of the stories you were sharing as well was, were absolutely yeah. harrowing. Ooh. Like the chicken got a pelvis crush. I'm just going to say, though, like we make this point, like, you know, you should avoid alcohol consumption because of all the things that can go wrong and whatnot. Then I guess in response, people could say, oh, well, what about sex? Like, you know, there's lots of bad things that happen as a result of sex, yeah, like terrible, awful, just gross things. Like, sh- well, shouldn't we ban that too? Like, shouldn't shouldn't we just stop? But then it's like sex has like a purpose. Like, Yes, uh, <laughs> and a lot of major positives. Yeah, that's right. Uh, alcohol is totally Purpose, unnecessary. Purposeless. And I can I can say this as a person who used to drink and no longer drinks. Like yes. I, I'm I'm not oblivious to the effects of drinking and what it can do to a person's life. Like I've been down that road and I know that <laughs> we don't need it. And here's the thing this is the difference between them because sex is something that in a biblical context is never going to be harmful. Mm. There's no harm whatsoever at all with sex in a biblical context. Mm. It's only when you take it out of the biblical context that it becomes harmful. Which you can apply to so so many things. Yeah. Now, alcohol is only ever useful in a biblical context. In a biblical context, it's something that you will never drink. <laughs> so yeah. you, can, you can use it as rocket fuel or automotive fuel or cleaning product, go Blow fast. things up. Yes. Oh, now, that, now we're talking now. Like, that's, that's right. exciting. Burn things. Yeah, um, I'm an alcohol <laughs> user. I blow things up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is a product that has lots of good uses. Those uses do not include pouring it down your throat. <laughs> yeah. Amen. You know, you take a low compression engine, you can put all different kinds of uh, popular alcoholic drinks into it and it will run. Mm. Do you go to the Bowser and fill up your drinking bottle at the Bowser with petrol and drink it? No, because it will kill you. Mm-hmm. This should be a very simple equation. Mm-hmm. Okay, next text message. I'm appalled at the bias in the news, articles about Roe versus Wade, and that these people staunchly defending their apparent rights to murder innocents. If they want body autonomy, then they should exercise their rights not to engage in acts proven to end in the creation of life. It's just a simple equation, guys. Yeah, tell us something we don't know. I love, <laughs> yeah. like, this text message is something that we thoroughly agree with. Like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, it's just so obvious. It's called... It's just, Calling a spade a spade. Common sense right here. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, what, the thing that I love about the anti-abortion laws in the United States is that they're laws that are made by women for women. Yeah. Because America is a democracy. It has uh, optional voting. Mm-hmm. 
And because it has optional voting, we know that universally women vote at a higher rate than do men. And so any state that passes an anti-abortion law, that was a law made by women for women. Mm. Abortion is being stopped by women, not men. Mm. That's what we need to understand here and understand very, very clearly. All right. Those are our text messages. That's what you had to say about the first half of the show. We would now love to hear what you've got to say about the second half because we are going to talk about a new theme. Mm. And as we get into this theme, I want you to listen closely and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Mm. So our new theme has an interesting title and it is titled The Crucible. Uh, the first the first Bible study we've got here is called The Shepherd's Crucible. Mm. Okay, a crucible. That's not something that we use often. Mm. Uh, Lawson, do you own a crucible? Uh, no. No. Do you know anyone who owns a crucible? Lyle, to be honest, I'm looking up the definition of crucible right now. (laughs) (laughs) A ceramic or metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted and subjected to very high temperatures. So it's essentially like a a melting pot where you chuck metal in. melting pot. You melt it all up and then I guess from there you can shape it into different objects and whatnot. I have one. Really? Yes. Oh, I actually, actually, I knew that. Yes, I have a crucible, uh-huh. but I've never called it a crucible. Yeah, it's kind of one of those old timey words. Maybe we need. Yeah, to bring you it call back. it like a furnace, right? Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. A crucible. We used to call it a melting pot. A melting pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well. I was going to say, isn't that related to food? But obviously, no. That's that's so silly. No. A lot of people. A lot of people relate the crucible to a crucifix because they kind of sound similar. Yeah. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So these are two things that actually have nothing to do with each other whatsoever at all. Mm. Although you can make a crucifix using a crucible. Okay, just has to be metal. So if you get a mold, right, uh-huh. and you put metal into the crucible and melt it, and then pour it from the crucible into the mold, and the mold is in the shape of a crucifix, you can get a crucifix from a crucible. There you go. But they have no relationship to each other. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So this 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 Bible study has this really bizarre title. It's called the Shepherd's Crucible. Mm. Why would a shepherd have a crucible? What would a shepherd use a crucible for? How could there be any relationship between a shepherd and a crucible? Well, I assume that the relationship is somewhat of a symbolic one. Okay, so we're going to be poetic and yeah, symbolic here. Okay, what does a cru- crucible achieve? It takes some existing metal rocks yes. and it melts it down to yes. then be shaped. And if it's the shepherd's crucible, well, what I imagine is that it has something to do with shepherds firstly firstly and foremost like shepherds in either the literal sense or the symbolic sense but some kind of story of people being you know melted down okay people so people being, being melted down being put through the test yes. you know, being changed and reformed into something different yes and it having something to do with shepherds <laughs> okay so in my crucible i can throw let's say i throw a bunch of wheel weights into my crucible uh uh-huh. right and they all melt, uh-huh. and they go all silvery because lead is very pretty when it's 
melted. Yes. But it doesn't look that way because you get this thick layer of scum mm. that sits on top of it and floating around, bobbing in that like little boats, is all of the metal pieces off of the wheel weights. Mm-hmm. And if you scoop that back, it's all nice and bright and shiny underneath. Uh-huh. And so the crucible, what the crucible has done, because you think about a wheel weight, it's going to collect mud, it's going to collect dirt, it's going to collect uh, black dust off of your brakes, mm. it's going to collect a whole layer of just garbage and it's got a big chunk of steel stuck into it so that it will hang on to your rim. Mm. That's a wheel weight. You throw it into the crucible and what happens is that all of that rubbish floats to the top. You can scrape it off the top and what you've got left is this pure, shiny, silvery lead. If only it stayed that way because Mm. then it would be worth a lot more than what it is. Mm. But it doesn't stay that way. Mm. Uh, And then you can pour that into a mould and make whatever you want with it. Uh, And so we've got a symbol here that, okay, a shepherd's crucible, how does a shepherd go through this process of all of the rubbish and the garbage and the bad things that are stuck into him and the bad things that are stuck on the outside of him being burned off so that only the pure is left? Now, if of course, if I was to throw gold into that crucible and you know, I had a friend over last night who had in his pocket gold nuggets. Oh, okay. It was really cool. I had three gold nuggets. Uh-huh. He's pulled out his three gold nuggets and we're looking at them and feeling them. And did you throw them in the crucible? I'm like, let's melt this stuff down. Oh, so you did? No. Oh. <laughs> he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I was to throw it in there, of course, you know, all the impurities would be burned away and gold doesn't tarnish. Mm. You know, lead tarnishes instantly, uh, brass tarnishes a lot slower and gold never does. Mm. Gold looks... Thousand years later, exactly the same as it did a thousand years before. Mm. Just bright and shiny and yellow. Mm. Uh, so this is this is the, the the word picture that God is giving us here when He talks about the crucible. Okay, so we look at uh, Psalms chapter twenty three. This very famous uh, passage of scripture, Psalms mm. twenty three. Yep, just flicking over there now. Which verse are we going to begin in? Well, let's start in verse one. The Bible says, "The Lord is my shepherd." I have all that I need. Well, okay, I'm in the uh, in the NLT this morning, and I am definitely feeling it because this is right. a psalm that I know, and now I'm reading in the NLT, and it feels a bit feels a bit feels a bit strange. It just doesn't feel right. Lord is my shepherd; I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, it's and he leads me beside peaceful streams. My teeth are itching. <laughs> We're 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 King James students here in the uh, in in the Faith FM studio, and here we go. Lyle's Lyle's brought it out to uh, to get it done. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall, I shall not want. want. Mm-hmm. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are my for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My Mm. cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. Great passage there. Mm. Uh, What's it got to do with the crucible? It sounds like this person's having an amazing time being led and instructed by the Lord. 
They're just a happy little seat out in the paddock. I, I love like first one and two, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it's like identifying the Lord, this person, if the Lord is the shepherd, if he is his shepherd, then he is like putting himself in the in the shoes of the sheep. Okay. So this particular psalm right here is not actually about the shepherd. Mm. It's about the sheep. Mm. And it's about the experience that they have. And if the sheep are having this experience in a dangerous world, then who's in the crucible? Mm. Who is protecting the sheep? Who is copying all of the all of the terrible things that the sheep should be copying? Who is standing up against the wow. lion, the bear, the wolf? Who is who is protecting them in times of drought? Who is dealing with all of the persecution that should be coming on the sheep? Who is mm. standing in the way? Well, ultimately, like the answer is the shepherd, right? The shepherd. But I think we should stop and think about it real quick. Like, who is writing this psalm? A shepherd. A shepherd. Yeah, who would absolutely know that reality? In fact, we know that he knows. His biography says so. Like, when we read the book of Samuel, we can see clearly, like, it's like David, he was this strong young man, and what strengthened him? The fact that he had to fight bears and lions to protect his sheep. He literally killed a bear and literally killed a lion. Mm. And this was, back in the days, before firearms. That's right. Those those creatures are both scary creatures <laughs> when you have a firearm. <laughs> Yeah. I would not want to go up against either of them with a firearm. With a gun, yeah. But back in the day when you had a sling, no, just no. So David himself is a shepherd who protects sheep, but, you know, and and is the one who has to go through all of these hard and difficult circumstances in protection of his sheep, you know, in the name of protection so that his sheep can live safely and successfully and live the lives that they are supposed to live. And now he is identifying, oh, well, I actually live a life where I am safe and complete and whole because of what the Lord has done for me. He's caused me to lie down in green pastures. He's called me, caused me uh, to be beside still waters and peaceful rivers. You know, he's the one who restores my soul. He's the one who's protecting me from all of these different harms and ailments. And I can have that experience because of what he is doing in my life. That's awesome. That is like, that is, this is like some key poetry right here. Like with, with such like, I think, you know, internal reflection into, you know, taking an allegory from his own life and then applying it to his relationship with God. Oh, that's so powerful. It is. It is. <laughs> it's incredibly powerful. All right. So uh, if, we, if, we, if we look at, you know, the different things that the shepherd does to care for his sheep, verse 2, what is he doing there to care for his sheep in verse 2? In verse 2, he is leading the sheep to lay down in green pastures, so in, in areas in which there are plenty of food, there's plenty of, you know, nice comfy spots to to lay down and actually i was speaking to my my cousin recently and he was talking about you know going on a trip hiking in new zealand versus hiking in australia and he's like yeah you hike in australia and you go to lay down somewhere and it's just rough and gross and you have to take a sleeping uh, a swag with you everywhere because the ground is just gross it's like you go hiking in new zealand and you'll be in the middle of a paddock and you get tired you just lay down soft green grass there's soft green grass there's no snakes and sheep come and look in you in the face. That's right. You just you just lay down. And literally, uh, David... There's a lot is, of rough places in New Zealand as well, which is why it is so spectacular and such a great place to go trekking. <laughs> That's right. But he's reflecting on the experience. What, <laughs> I, I think an experience that you seldom have in Australia to have, you know, a, a, an amazing, awesome field without snakes in it and <laughs> without sticks and rocky, you know, hard ground. But, uh, yeah... 
as David is saying in verse two, you know, he's causing me to lie down in green pastures. I have plenty of food. I have plenty of water and I have plenty of peace. I'm here in a place where I am supported, I am comforted, and I'm protected. And, of course, the key thing here is that they have still water. Mm. Sheep don't drink from running water. Oh. Yeah, still Ah, water. So the shepherd's gone out of his way because he knows their needs. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show. Lawson, let's have a last question for our quiz this morning. All right, last question. Isaiah says to speak comfortably to blank and cry unto her. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings by E.G. White, an incredible, amazing book that, like, the version that we have here is awesome and leather-bound and really, really epic and expensive but this book it's not only the book that's awesome like in terms of its quality but the content itself that is just amazing getting into one of jesus's longest and most powerful sermons 0491-064-669 is the number to call a text if you know the answer and again that question was isaiah says to speak comfortably to blank and cry unto her Okay, have you ever looked at one of your pets, say your pet dog, and gone, you know, it really is a dog's life. I wish my life was that simple. You know, your dog, he gets up in the morning, he's happy, he eats food, he barks, he runs around, and life is good. I hate animals. He has no stress. That's why I'm a vegan. I'm just ignoring Lawson. Just just (laughs) ignore this guy. But your dog has no stress. He has nothing to be, you know, never has to worry about where his next meal is coming from, Mm. never has to worry about whether his job is going to disappear or what kind of education he needs to get. Uh, He never has to worry. There's so many things that your dog just never has to worry about, right? It's living its best life, truly. It's just out there living its life. And you think about sheep in the paddock. What do they have to worry about? Not much. I think no. particularly sheep in a paddock. Like if you're like a mountain goat and you have to climb those really tall mountains. No, I'm talking about sheep in the paddock. Sheep in the paddock, they don't do anything. They just run around, yeah. have fun, and then Eat grass. And- occasionally they get shorn, but that's by their you know shearers. Yeah, somebody take care of them. Yeah. If they didn't have shearers to take care of them, they would effectively go blind. We that, know what happens to sheep when they're yeah, not shorn. That, they just- that's like a really good question. Like, did, did sheep ever exist in the wild by themselves? Yeah, well, we have kind of bred them to be able to grow a lot more wool than they probably used to. Yeah, okay. And so you cannot keep those kind of sheep in the wild. Well, I mean, sheep have survived for long periods in the wild, and there's some exceptional stories around there about sheep that have actually done that, but it's um, it's unusual mm. and it's not good for the sheep. But anyway, if you think about a sheep, you think about a, your, your pets and whatnot, they really do have the, they have a charmed life. Mm. They have a stress-free life. It's just like sit back, relax, be on holiday. Every day. Mm. And so this is interesting because we look at our lives and we look at the stress that we have in our lives and we look at the challenges we have and the things that we have to overcome on a daily basis. And yet the Bible calls us sheep and Jesus the shepherd. Wow. And when you look at sheep and shepherd, who's the one who has all the stress? Who's the oh, one, the who's the one who is finding green pasture? Who is the one who is stressing out, okay, this pasture is running out, where am I, on earth am I going to find another green one? Mm. Who is stressing out, okay, where am I going to find some still water because this is all running water and I need still water for these sheep to be able to drink because if they don't drink, you know, the sheep is just plodding along like, oh, the shepherd's got it. Mm. Uh, what do I care? Mm. 
You know, who's stressing out when uh, the shepherd is leading his sheep home and he's going through an area that is heavily populated by dangerous wildlife? Who's the one that's on edge? Who's Mm. the one that's keeping a lookout? Who's the one that's ready to go into battle? Who's the one that's ready to give his life and and, and go and face tooth and claw? Oh, yeah. It's the shepherd. The sheep's just following along like, this is pleasant. We're walking through the bush. Yeah, Isn't that nice? Shepherding makes tough dudes, bro. Like, as in... Uh, you, you probably have you heard you know the story like the Cliffy Shuffle. Have you heard that story before? Cliffy, no. The Cliffy Shuffle, the guy who won Australia's first ultra marathon. It was from like Sydney yes, to Melbourne, yes, yes, and yes. he did it by using a technique called the Cliffy Shuffle, yes. where he took not very long strides and just a slow plotting pace, and just his just kept going, just his stop. success was that like the reason he was successful is that he just didn't stop yet. He didn't sleep. There were nights that he didn't, where everyone else was camping and sleeping and then taking off in the morning, you know, on a, on a pace that could run them through the day. He would just keep, keep shuffling along. It, so he run like 800 kilometers, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. Cliffy, he was the, the powerful and impressive thing about that story is the guy who won, the guy using like Cliffy was like a 60 year old dude who was a shepherd, not even a professional runner. And he's like, you know what trained me to be able to, to, to finish this feat is the fact that I've had nights where sheep have escaped. They've gone all over the paddock and it's back in the seventies. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the vehicles to quite, you know, topple the terrain to, to find where my sheep are. So I just ran for three days straight, finding these sheep, getting out there, looking after them. Like this is such grueling work. Such just intense and the sheep are and having long... such a, an incredibly easy life. Yeah, an endurant time. Okay, so when we put this into context, and Jesus is the good shepherd, and we mm. are the sheep, mm. and we look at our life as being incredibly stressful, mm. what is it that God goes through on a daily basis when He is dealing with every single evil thing there is happening in this world? Well, I think you could say like God is God. You know, God's in heaven, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's in control. But I think the place to really look at, as you said, Jesus as our good shepherd. Yeah. Well, what would it, what did it look like when God became human? Was that and easy God, or Jesus hard? is still human. Yeah, yeah. Was that easy or hard? Like, look at Jesus' life, you know, to be the one who would sacrifice himself on our behalf, who would lead us in the best possible way you know who would become our high priest the person who intercedes for us like every all the functions that jesus did and the work that took him to get to that place which was that he came down onto this earth and lived the life that he did it's like oh yeah was jesus life on earth easy or hard Mm -hmm. and and we very quickly come to the conclusion jesus lived a life as our shepherd that none of us could possibly live and that's Mm. what puts him in that position like he lived a life of perfection and love that we could never live up to. You raised another really important point there a moment ago when you talked about are there any such, such thing as wild sheep? Mm. Do sheep even live in the wild? <laughs> Can they even exist in the wild? And we talked about you know some exceptional examples. There was a sheep that escaped during bushfires in Tasmania and they found him like seven years later. Wow. But he'd been blind for a long time. I mean, he hadn't been blind. His eyes still worked, but the wool had grown over his eyes so that you know, he couldn't actually see anything for a very, very long time. And so you think about uh, sheep and God looks up, looks at, at us as sheep and God's like, okay, I want to give you a good life. I want to take the heat for you. I want to take the stress for you. Just trust me. Just walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't, don't, don't be looking around. Let me, let me take care of that. You know, don't worry about your food, where your food's coming from. Don't worry about where your water's coming from. Let me take care of that. 
Lyle. Yes. I think I just realized where the expression wool over your eyes actually comes from. Because it's taken him 24 years. I literally thought that it had something to do with being blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> blindfold was made up. Wait, wait. So the, sh- the sheep. I I know, like, I understand this, but that's where the expression comes from. That when the sheep isn't looked after by the shepherd, they grow so woolly that That the the wool then covers their eyes and they're blind. (laughs) That's where the expression comes from. (laughs) Anyway, getting back to our Bible study, (laughs) as Lawson has his light bulb moment over here. Um, I feel so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That's epic. But getting back to our Bible study, you know, God comes to us and is like, I can be your shepherd. Okay, Mm. so you can live your life two ways. You can live out in the bush by yourself. Or I can be your shepherd. Mm. Which one do you want to choose? You know, do you want to take all of these stresses on for yourself? Wow. Or do you want me to carry these stresses for you? And become blind and heavy and be attacked by wolves and bears and lions and whatever other mm. killing critter there is that is out there and get all kinds of bugs and diseases in your wool. Wow. You know, God offers us. He says, look, I'll be the shepherd. I'll go through the crucible for you. So that you don't have to. Wow. That's what Jesus is coming to offer us. And that's the real lesson, one of the real lessons that we can learn out of uh, Psalms 23 that we've been looking at this morning. What a wonderful passage. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's Breakfast Show. And Lawson's going to give you some answers. I am going to I'm going to give you all the answers. For the first question, the seventh book of the Bible was Judges. For the second question, what was Jesus' first public miracle? Water into wine. The third question, what wasn't an analogy used by James in regards to the tongue? And it was double-edged sword. Uh, what is Esther's Hebrew name? Hadassah. And finally, Isaiah says to speak comfortably unto Jerusalem and cry unto her. But right now, it is time for... Question of the day. All right. What have we got for question of the day today? Our question of the day comes from Karen. She asks, is suicide justify an extreme, justified in extreme circumstances such as 1 Samuel 31? Okay, we're going to read 1 Samuel 31 in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to get some context for it because this speaks about the death of King Saul. Mm. And the day before he died, he went to see the witch of Endor and to consult with an evil spirit. Mm. And Saul makes a very interesting confession to this evil spirit that he is speaking to. He says, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me. God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. So he's gone fully over to the dark side. Mm. And when you reach the point where God has departed from somebody and does not speak to them anymore, they have no voice, they have no conch, no, no, no voice you know, from God, no conscience that speaks to them, that is somebody who has committed the unpardonable sin. Mm. And so we need to have that context in mind as we read this story and we ask ourselves the question, okay, is suicide justified in extreme circumstances? So now we'll flick over to Psalm, uh, sorry, First uh, Samuel chapter thirty-one. Uh, let's just go there real quick. And <clears throat> what verse were we looking at there, Lawson? Uh, just the 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 passage in that chapter that talks about his death. Yes. Okay. So right here in Psalms thirty-one, verse four, uh, Saul said to his armor bearer, "Draw your sword and thrust me through with it." 
uh, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. And his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. And so here you've got the story of Saul committing suicide. Now this would be a very bad example to use if you were going to justify suicide in extreme circumstances because this is somebody who has already committed the unpardonable sin. This is somebody who is lost. This is somebody who is disconnected from God. And so this is not a story that you could use in any way, shape or form to justify uh, committing suicide. There is no justification for suicide. We're going to talk about suicide and salvation in just a moment. But the story that more typically comes up is the story of um, Samson. And in the story of Samson, you find you know, Samson at the end of his life, he goes into the temple, he's had his eyes put out, he's become a slave of the Philistines, he prays to God that his strength will return one last time, God gives him his strength back, and he pulls the whole temple down on top of himself and dies there with the Philistines. And people say, well, this is justification for suicide because God gave him the strength to do what he did. No, that is not the justification for suicide. Saul did not, sorry, Samson did not commit suicide. Saul did. Mm -hmm. Samson did not. Samson gave his life. There's a very big difference between giving your life and taking and and, and committing suicide. Mm -hmm. Those are two very, very different uh, scenarios that we are looking at. So the next question is this. Okay, suicide is sin. There's no question about that. The Bible says thou shalt not kill, and that includes yourself. Uh, does that mean that everybody then who commits suicide is automatically lost? Uh, and, you know, when we do their funeral, we say, well, you know, uh, sorry, this person is not saved. Uh, and, and the answer to that is no. A lot of people would say, well, but the last thing that they did was a major sin, a really bad sin. How could you not say that they are lost in this particular circumstance? And there are two reasons for that. First of all, just from a very practical perspective, uh, a lot of people when they commit suicide don't die straight away. A lot of people reach the point of no return. And who are we to judge what decisions they make between them and God in those last moments Mm. of their life? Mm. That's not the case for everybody. Mm. But what is Almost universally the case in the circumstances that I come across, and I would say in the circumstances that I come across, it would be universal, is that they are suffering from a mental illness. So the brain is given to us. The brain is automatically wired to keep the body alive. Mm. And the brain will do all kinds of things to keep the body alive. The only way that the brain can actually kill the body is for the brain to become diseased. Mm. And so when somebody is mentally ill, then God, the Bible is very clear that God judges a person based on their mental capacity. Mm. And so we could never and would never say somebody who has committed suicide, well, they're automatically lost. That's a terrible, terrible thing that the Catholic Church said for you know many, many, many centuries. I don't know whether they still do or not, but is a terrible, terrible cultural lie that is not backed up by Scripture and won't be found anywhere in the Bible. God is the one who decides who's saved and who's lost, not us. Mm. One last text message. It says, Hi. It took me 41 years, Lyle. Oh, this is in regards to to me realizing that wool over your eyes was a sheep analogy (laughs) about them growing their hair too much. You're not the only person who learned something new this morning. Yeah, wow. There you go. I feel like such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not calling Sky an idiot. I'm just. I enjoy enjoy, enjoy it when you feel that way. I I think it just shows I'm I'm a city slicker, bro. I'm like I'm I'm not a country boy. But yeah, you 
have never had sheep, have you? No, never. I'm not necessarily a city slicker either. It's just I've never had sheep. I've never yeah, been on a farm. Yeah, you're kind of like a, an intelligent... Um, an intelligent... Bogan? <laughs> but, like, not? Like, yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. know. I, how, how would you describe I'm kind of I'm kind of floating around. Yes. But regardless, but I you're have an intelligent. Some... Oh, you're an intelligent young man. That was the word I was looking for. That's, that's what I was looking for right there. You're an intelligent go. young man. And as you go through this day, do not forget, as always, to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.